Welcome to the Oxford Business Podcast from the Oxford Business Community Network, produced by Story94 at their podcast studio here in Oxford. My name is Mike Foster. I'm the co-owner and founder of OBCM. Now, our podcast aims to share the expertise, knowledge, and the experience of our members covering those key issues in your business. And for this episode today, I'm joined by Tracy Smart, the Smart FD and the founder of the Smart Finance team, and Sam Jones of NGI Finance. And we're going to be exploring their expertise, knowledge, and experience. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. So today we're going to be talking about all things finance, but just to kick us off as uh, we're a networking organisation, let's go through those uh, initial introductions about who you are and what you do. So Tracy. Good morning. My name's Tracy Smart. I'm the Smart Finance Director and founder of the Smart Finance team. We offer our clients access to all the skills that you need in your finance team um, in a flexible way, giving them optionality. So if they need expertise in raising funds, then we can pull a team together that have had lots of experience in that area. If they need help in compliance, equally, we can support them in that way too. Fantastic. Thanks, Tracy. And to compliment Tracy today, Sam. Hi, I'm Sam Jones, BDM at NGI Finance. We're an independent whole market finance broker. So we help clients raise the funds for business growth projects, and whether that be cash flow funding, asset finance or property development, commercial mortgages. Fantastic. So as I say, we're going to be talking about finance today. And I thought actually the theme that probably link us today is about the raising of finance. So my first question from your market experience, for, for what reasons are you seeing businesses at this moment in time raising finance? I think a lot of people are, um, you know, they've been through quite a journey in the last few years, to be honest. And um, if they've got the opportunity to raise finance now, now is a good time. There is cash in the market, I believe. And um, if they're in a position now, um, I would really recommend any clients of mine to raise the funds they need um, sooner rather than later because we are entering another period of uncertainty. We've got all the issues with the Ukraine war um, and um, potential rises in interest rates, which might make your um, certain elements of cost-raising funds and the cost of supporting those funds go up. So definitely consider doing that sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And what about yourself, Sam? What sort of reasons are you seeing that businesses are coming to you and saying, I need to raise some money? Um, quite a mix, but the majority at the moment is is cash flow. People feeling a bit of a pinch, perhaps. Um, they, they take on some other debts that they might need to, to refinance and, and ease the cash flow. Um, but quite a few also funding for growth. So they've got quite ambitious plans to, to grow their business or acquire other businesses, um, new machinery, new vehicles for, for transports and things like that. So so a lot of it is is on growth, which is encouraging considering the um, the difficult times that we keep getting told we're in. So. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned ca- cash flow squeeze there, Sam. Did, do, in your experience, do businesses actually plan and see their cash flow requirement or do you think they tend to start asking when it's on an as-need basis? It tends to be um, when it's a little bit too late. Um, you know, it's, it's always best, like I tell everybody, to to think ahead and then get your application in before you actually need it because um, when, when things are getting tighter, um, it's more difficult to borrow the money because it's less affordable. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and finding some business owners just aren't on the money with knowing their money. Um, it's surprising when you ask for... Uh, the financials we need to support proposal, bank statements, filed accounts and, and up-to-date management accounts, the ones that just don't have an up-to-date profit and loss. Uh, they see the bank account, they see what's coming in and they've, they've got an idea of what's going out, but they don't actually know where that money is, what it's being spent on 
and and when it's coming in. Mm. Certainly, certainly not an area that many entrepreneurs enjoy, is it? Yes, there there are quite a few that um, come to me saying, "My business is growing. Why is my cash balance not growing?" And they actually, it's really quite surprising that they they don't have a handle on obviously their finances. To me, it's probably one of the most important parts of the business. But yeah, I'd like to second your point about people coming too late to the table. Um, Clearly, it depends on how much you want to raise. But if you're looking at an equity fundraise of um, any significance, that can take, you know, nine months to a year. So you need to really have a good handle on your cash flow projections and understand that. And, And that's what investors and angel investors are looking for. They want to see that you you have that discipline and that maturity as a individual leader but also as a business to to be looking forward and considering different scenarios on what's going to happen with your cash they do say you know cash is king um isn't there something about um sales is vanity profit is something else and then um cash is sanity i think i can't remember what the profit one is in the middle but um yeah because businesses you can you can be profitable and growing quite quickly but if you haven't got the cash to fund that growth and you need if you are growing quickly you need to have cash for working capital so to support the payment of your um creditors your suppliers as you grow um you know, it can stifle growth and take away all of those wonderful commercial opportunities that are ahead of you. So, yeah, and the, the planning is key because it's like everything you, you negotiate from a position of strength. You know, we're exclusively finance; it's debt-based funding. And if you leave it too late, you know, the, the, for the cash, particularly for the cash flow lending, they're looking at your business um, uh, performance. And then your cash flow and your bank statements. And if they're not up to scratch, if it's too tight, if a couple of missed payments, what have you, you're really going down the tiers of lenders who are going to, going to want to lend. And then the money gets more expensive and, and a bit punitive, really. Mm. And I remember my days in the bank, you know, we always had the reputation of, you know, taking the umbrella away when it was raining. Um, but I think that's a, a point that you've alluded to, isn't it, in terms of, you know, asking for the money at the right time, not leaving it too too late and making it easier for the lender to lend you the money um, to a degree from that side. Okay, so we've been talking about why businesses may be um, wishing to raise finance right now, but how are they raising that finance? Is it really through traditional finance or is there other means that they're raising that finance? Sam, what's your experience? Yeah, it's uh, we work a lot with the alternative lenders. Um, I think a lot of businesses they've lost their relationship manager with the banks. Uh, the banks aren't too willing to to lend on overdrafts um, or requiring additional security, and, and it's quite a timely process to get money from them these days. So yeah, we're finding a lot of the um, lenders coming forward with on the alternative side of things with unsecured business loans, where the money's in and out. It's quite flexible. There's a price to pay with that. Slightly more expensive rates than you'd get with the banks, but as I say, the money's in and out quite quick. Um, and we're also looking at revolving credit lines um, where people are withdrawing funds and uh, getting charged um, on what they borrowed uh, and not what the total facility is. Um, but you've got to be adaptable. I said we've, we've got a client recently with, a, with an aggressive growth plan. Um, they were looking to secure some asset funding on a new bit of a kit. Um, but we were struggling with that because day one, it loses all its value, so there's no resale. So we actually got um, a much better deal uh, with an alternative lender on an unsecured loan it's just backed by personal guarantee um, and it's for significantly more funds than they thought they could achieve to start with so that's a bit of a win for, for them and for us um, and they're really poised to grow um, so yeah it, it's, it's being a bit creative and using 
a huge amount of, of new facilities and lenders out there. Mm, nice. Tracy, what about yourself? Because I know you've got some experience in invoice finance, which is a big area I, I'd see from um, businesses using for growth. But what, what, how are you seeing the market right now? Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely um, demand out there, I think. And like like we've just said that the the banks aren't really meeting the demand and uh, the clients requirements um i think invoice financing and people will know it possibly better as factoring you know in the past has had a bad name because it can be quite an expensive um resource or of cash a way of get, raising cash but actually if you manage the facility well you are getting full credit, in a lot of cases, full credit control services as well as part of that package. And it is a really good way to finance a growing business. It helps you get your cash in um, sooner rather than later, so you're not waiting on your clients to pay you or your customers to pay you. You can get that money immediately. Um, I think one of the key things an invoice finance provider look for is to consider how they would get their money back if everything went wrong. So it's a, they're looking at it from a more of a high-risk scenario. Um, and yes, sometimes they do look for personal guarantees, and, and perhaps it might be the original position that they might take, but they are taking perhaps a higher risk on some of your these businesses that are growing very quickly. Um, and so, uh, yeah, different ways of, of raising funds for growing. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, with the invoice finance section there's a lot of lenders who uh with new technologies are offering a lot of different solutions now um so some of them will it's selective invoices so you you pick the ones you send up you you scan it into the system you get paid out within a couple of hours um with the the guarantees etc some of them are just securing against their in their um insurance on your letter book um so it wouldn't necessarily require a pg um, and others are, provi- uh, are using the debtor book, but providing you with a credit line. So they'll take the security on that. So there's no guarantees um, provided by the directors. But but there's, I think, with the invoice finance, as you say, people see it as, as an expense. You know, you've you've invoiced fifty thousand pounds to a business. You want that money in your account. You don't want to be getting forty thousand from that work. But you're probably paying someone to chase that invoice um, and, and the work around that. So it, it sort of takes away. Uh, that hassle, that worry, um, and I think there's perhaps a, a, a stigma behind it. You know, if if it's um, if it's not the confidential uh, financing, when you've got to get your invoices addressed to the bank, um, you don't really want your client or suppliers to know that you've borrowed the money to get to get to where you are. And I, I think if people can get around that idea, um, it's a very useful tool to to grow your business. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about stigmas because that's all. Yeah. It's probably the barrier I see a lot of people with invoice financing, stroke factoring, whatever you want to reference it as. And I think one of the big things for me, and I'd be interested to hear your views on, is that it's easy to get into invoice finance because I've got an invoice and I want to finance that. To get out of it at the other end, I think sometimes businesses feel they're going to be stuck in that. So from your experience, how do you see people come out of the other end of a, you know, I no longer want to, I'm okay now, I don't need to, to finance my invoices I think it comes back to planning and forecasting and understanding your cash flows. And if you can manage them in such a way to, like you say, effectively come out of the facility and not draw down. Um, But, you know, very often these businesses are helping um, 
so the providers should I say are helping businesses that are really in quite a tricky situation and can help them survive over challenging periods as well as the periods of growth and just get them through a period which is challenging and then you're in a better position to then um, come out of the invoice finance offering really and none of the lenders want to see the businesses fail because they'll they'll lose their money no, they um, so they'll, they'll always work with with clients who are feeling the pinch but you know coming out like Tracy says it's it's all about planning um making sure that you can stand on your feet without it or perhaps refinancing um to, to a, perhaps a more affordable model um, that's available now your business has grown to the point and it and is stronger than it was mm. and I like the the information that you shared about you know you don't have to Im- put all your invoices into into a book now so that's good so we've, we've sort of talked about preparation and planning a little bit so we know it's okay to have a, a need for finance in, for the reasons that we've talked about but how should businesses best prepare for raising finance so Tracy what's your thoughts in terms of preparation well there are a number of finance ducks that you guys need to get aligned um, so typically you would go through a process of you know, you need to understand what your plans are. You need to understand your um, strategy, where you want to go, because you have a plan, um, but you need to know how much finance you need. And by turning that plan into financial projections, then you get a clear understanding of how much you need and when you're going to need it. Um, getting clarity on your cash runway, so how long have you got before you need to raise that funding, um, is all very important. Um, so there's there's an element of really understanding your strategy and plan, turning that into financial projections, but also looking at different scenarios. Um, you know, we all f- pulled together a plan, which is, you know, you want to plan for success, clearly, but sometimes we can be a bit too optimistic on our, on our forecasting. So you want to look at different scenarios, look at, you know, a middle case, best case and a worst case scenario. So you're really clear on what your cash flow requirements are. Um, Moving on from that, you know how much you need, you know when you need it, you want to consider different options, so all the different sources of finance we've been talking about. We haven't really talked about equity, but equity is typical, bank loans, you know, you've also got family and friends, and we've talked about alternative finance and leasing and things like that. Um, So consider all the different options, and each of them have got pros and cons, um, and you want to look at those in detail. Um, And then just go for it. But you've also got to convince your investors and convince the bank or the finance provider that actually, once they give you this money, you're going to look after it well and that you've got control processes in place. And that's not the typical, just the typical financial controls like bank reconciliations. It's, you know, control processes across the whole business. So thinking about what your approval processes are, do you have um, good track of your... um, processes of invoices coming into you and how you pay your suppliers but moving outside of the finance function other things need to be um, controlled as well so GDPR so they're all the types of things that an investor or a bank need to be confident that you have that maturity and those control processes in place. Yeah like you say it's all getting the getting your ducks in a row um and you're going from a position of strength. So have you got any missed payments in your bank statements in the last six months? Are you owing any money to HMRC? Um, all of that, so we're seeing a lot of that at the moment, um, which, which some lenders are a bit bit tentative lend, to lend against, um, particularly if there's no sort of plan to repay it. Um, 
and it, it's just trying to get rid of as many negatives in your factor as you can, uh, keeping an eye on when your returns are. Is there too long a gap between filing your accounts and applying for funding? Because you, you, 18 months, you can wait to, to file your accounts. So, so if that's the case, then you really need to have up-to-date management information in place so that you can you can show the lender what you've what you've made in the last 12 months brilliant and you know i know both of you obviously through the network and you've scratched uh, the surface today about forecasting and i know we've talked about forecasting before in our conversations and in, in my experience it's something that very few businesses do um so be interesting to hear your experience but also you know what tips can you give to help businesses forecast effectively and probably with more ease than they suspect it's going to be gosh that's a um, a very big question but i think one of the things i would recommend businesses do is really step back and understand what are their key drivers to their business success um so it might be for example um they might be selling widgets and it's not a a, a returning customer um, so clearly um, a high focus on sales and their sales process and what they need to deliver to keep that 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 those new clients coming through. It may be a kind of business that retains their clients, so they want to concentrate and understand their attrition. So things get underneath the key drivers of that specific business. Um, you know, how many sales do you think you need? What's your average selling price? What's your average gross profit? What's your attrition rate? How many are you likely to lose over the year? And if you've got some of these key figures, it's quite easy to then start projecting your profit and loss. Um, you might need some help turning that into a cash flow from an accountant um, because that can be a bit more challenging due to the timing differences of receiving the cash from your clients and equally when you pay when you pay your suppliers. But um, in terms of getting some basic P&L forecasts, yeah, understand the key drivers underneath your business. Get a good solid foundation as well. If you really understand your actuals and how your business has performed and is performing now, you've got a solid starting point as well. So they'd be the sort of key things I'd, I'd advise people to think about. Yeah, I'd probably also say that you need to, to get your head up and look around, you know, it's... It, difficult to project future growth in the last couple of years because mm -hmm. um, it's been a bit higgledy-piggledy uh, to put it politely um, so speak to your accountant um, see if they can offer some advice on what, what they think it would be look at whether it's competitors or similar sized businesses it doesn't have to be in the same industry you don't have to be competing against each other but how are they performing you know what, where's their growth projected from um because there's a lot of external factors you'll have to take into account as well as as, as well as your own sort of need to sell widgets um, and how many you need to sell to make a profit. You need to know what, what's going to impact that. Where is your growth coming from? Where are you taking that, that from? Because you're, you're taking clients from somebody else essentially to, to get there. That's a really good point. I think that, um, I mean, I did mention looking at your own key drivers and that's very inward looking, but it's always really important to be outward looking and look at the business and the market and your clients and look at your business from their perspective as well. So, yeah, really good. I don't know, um, one of our other members, um, Tony Hobbs, Chapman Robinson and more, who 
you know, I remember a conversation with him about, in effect, working backwards to build your, pl- your, your forecast. You know, a lot of businesses start with turnover because they feel that's the easiest thing to put a finger in the air and estimate. But he always talks about building out, you know, what you know is in terms of your known costs, what the flex is going to be in the next 12 months in terms of any changes of that, any changes you're going to bring into your cost base, then looking at your cost of sales and then impacting in the revenue and saying, okay, then is that achievable? on, like you say, keeping your eye open in terms of that market rate. And Tracy, just sort of building on this forecasting piece, you, you sort of touched on something that I'm very passionate about, is about sensitising your forecast. And you talked about having sort of three different scenarios. And I know both of you are very commercially minded and supporting the businesses that you work with. So tell us a little bit more about what sort of things we would consider when we're sort of sensitising that sort of base forecast that we've got. Well, I don't think very many people actually um, predicted a global pandemic in their forecasting a few years ago. But um, you do want to consider, you know, the wider economic, um, you know, position of the, you know, your market, um, the country, you know, um, and and depending on your business worldwide um, growth projections and what we think is happening in, in, in those spaces. But it could be as simple as you might have one key client um, and or a few key clients and you you, re- you have such um, reliance upon their income. What would happen if you lost one of those, for example? Um, and just look at various different scenarios um, from that perspective. Um, you know, what happens if you increase your prices by 10% or what happens if actually the market rate is pushing you down and your prices have to reduce by 10% or whatever you feel is the most appropriate um, scenario. So they're the types of things that you want to consider. It's just step back from it, looking at it from purely from a spreadsheet perspective and think about, well, what would happen? What, how would that affect my business? What about you, Sam? Sam what, what are you seeing, Sam, in terms of people sensitising their information, what lenders may be looking for? Um, a lot of our clients come, they might already have the plan in place um, and, and we're just there to, to, to get the wheels rolling on, on the plan. Um, but we will discuss you know, the purpose of funds and what, why, what they want to do with the money um, and, and how they'll deploy the funds. Um, and, and you'll look at the impact that will have on the business. Um, but a lot of our alternative lenders, um, part of the reason it's so sort of quick, in and out is that they'll look at the business now and is that money affordable now we'll give the lender the purpose of funds say it's to grow the business to purchase stock we're recruiting staff there's a marketing plan etc um but if the if the business can't afford the money now the lenders won't give it to them um they won't take the forecasts into plan into consideration because they've not happened yet um and they might not happen like they are so it's it's from that from their perspective it, it, it is the business affordable now and if so, they can get the funds. And then the growth is, is a bonus, I suppose, from the, from the lender's perspective. Yeah, I mean, having said that, I do think it depends on how mature the business is. And if they can, um, you know, add some weight to their forecast by showing that they forecast well, and if they've got historical information against last year's budget or uh, more recent forecasts, and, you know, they're doing well against those forecasts, I think that adds a bit of weight to the forecasting information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the next step I really want to then touch upon, we talked earlier about, in my opinion, that very few businesses forecast in as, as often as they perhaps should. And quite often businesses do a forecast because the lender wants them to do a forecast and it's created at that point. And then, oh, job's done. I don't need to sort of, in effect, worry about my finance anymore because I've got the money. But from your experience, you know, I certainly see that businesses need to have management information. And Sam, you touched on the management information earlier and look at their sort of KPIs and you 
Tracy, you talked about key success drivers. So from your experience, what sort of things are businesses and even the lenders requirements looking at from a management information point or a KPI point of view? I think I would, I'm not going to look at answer that question from a lender's perspective because um, I'll leave that, um, <laughs> leave that over there. But um, from a business perspective, if you, I really would recommend not putting your budget or forecast in the top drawer and forgetting about it. Um, it can be a really valuable tool. And you might, you may be reporting, for example, that your end is spent in a certain area. Um, but that's really valuable information because if you're not investing in that particular area, that's going to give you the foundations for growth. So, for example, you might have had a plan to grow your business to let's say 2 million turnover if you're a small business to do that you need to invest in the sales team and in marketing but you haven't spent the money in sales and marketing so you're under budget on that spend that should be raising a red flag to you you shouldn't be thinking oh that's great we're underspent it should be raising a red flag to you because if you don't invest that money you're not going to achieve the growth you want to do so it really is important that you use these forecasts to help guide you in your decision making and your areas of priority and that's where a good dashboard comes in but that's more of an internal management of the business to ensure that you're on track as opposed to looking at it from a lender's perspective um, yes the lenders will want to know that how the business is trading um are the sort of age debtors and creditors weighing up um the sort of monthly profit and loss or quarterly profit and loss looking it's a business seasonal um, like I say some lenders learners lend against a percentage of annual turnover others will do a multiplier of your monthly income well again it's come down to planning you want to apply after a few months if you is a se- if you are a seasonal business you want to apply as late as you can at the end of that peak season um, because your your monthly income is high if you go a few months later it's down and, and you won't be getting as much money as you, as you, you can probably afford sort of over the year. Um, so yeah, the lenders are, are just looking to see that the business is solvent on the balance sheet and uh, and trading well through the year, and there's no sort of um, sort of downward trends or, or you're performing well against your forecasts. Fantastic. Well, really appreciate you joining me for this latest uh, podcast. Um, just in case any of the listeners uh, want to, to touch base with you, how do they get in touch with you, Tracy? You can take a look at our website www.thesmartteam.co.uk um, or email me at tracy.smart at thesmartteam.co.uk cool. And Sam, what about yourself? Yeah, ngifinance.co.uk um, or find me on LinkedIn with uh, a bit of finance talk and plenty of bad jokes <laughs> Superb, yeah, fantastic Well, thank you again for um, sharing your thoughts, your expertise and your knowledge uh, with me and, uh, and the listeners today, much appreciated well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Oxford Business Community Network. And thank you to our members. And who a reminder for this episode was Tracy Smart, the Smart FD, and the founder of the Finance Smart Finance team, and uh, to Sam Jones of NGI Finance. And thank you again to Story94 for producing this podcast at their podcast studio in Oxford. Please do subscribe to our podcast, and we look forward to sharing more with you very soon. <laughs>